The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valleys of the shadow of death, I will feel no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Good morning. My name is Regina. I'm one of the pastors here, and what a beautiful thing it has been to hear the words of our family recite the 23rd Psalm each and every week. This summer, we've been taking some time to dive deeper into this well-known scripture passage, but perhaps to you, it's the first time that you have readied it or studied it. I don't remember a time that I didn't know the 23rd Psalm. I memorized it sometime in elementary school. At some point in my Sunday school career, these words became an imprint on my heart. I even often recite these words in my mind as I'm waking up in the morning. A familiar passage of scripture each week has taken on new life. I love that when you can take something that you know and you uncover new depths that you never saw before. Oftentimes, repeating something over and over can become dry or old. It can lose the meaning. But when we take time to sit back and really reflect, it's not nearly as mundane as we may have imagined. I'll read these words once more for us. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in the great pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. This morning, we're going to rest in the anointing. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Before we can really dive into this, I think that we need to notice that we are still in the valley. David's song has not left that land. When you're in the valley, the idea that you might be blessed can at times sound trite. And what does it even truly mean to be blessed in our valleys? In the last few weeks, we've learned that in the valley, God reminds us we have no need to fear. God will protect us. God will feed us. God will hydrate us. And God will bless us. But when we're in a valley, How can we really see that? You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. There's two layers to this one short verse. There's a personal layer and a communal layer. When we read this passage, we may be reminded of David's own anointing. In 1 Samuel 16, David is anointed as king, an unlikely young boy with a small stature, and Samuel pours a bull's horn full of oil over his head. He's absolutely covered in oil, which represents God's desire for greatness in his life. This is such a beautiful image, but it seemed to me to stray a bit from our shepherd and sheep imagery. 
I did some research. I sure love research. And I found out that the Hebrew word used here for oil can actually be translated as fertilizer. That's what I said too. Um, God anoints our head with nutrients to heal our wounded hearts. God anoints our head with nutrients to heal our wounded hearts. I did some more reading and I found out that some people believe that David is referring to when sheep have been freshly shorn. When sheep are freshly shorn, a shepherd will put an ointment or oil called backliner along the back line of a sheep's neck to control lice or other parasites from attacking them. God anoints us in the valley to protect our wounds as they heal. An anointing can feel like such a celebratory, victorious moment, and David doesn't just stop there. He continues on to say, my cup runs over. Another way of putting this might be to say, I have everything I need. I don't need anything else. But if you've ever been in a valley, even if you go to a beautiful party table of food set out before you, you're not typically ready to look on the bright side of life and embrace beauty around you, or to express that you are even in overabundance. Typically, we're going to focus in on what we don't have, what we lack. David's wisdom in his song here is reminding us that in our lives, we rest in the tension of joy and sorrow, and even in our deficit, God's working on our behalf. And if we'll linger at the table, God's provision is overabundant. When I was in my mid-20s, I moved to Los Angeles to pursue a career in dance. In the first eight months that I lived there, I served at a small cafe on Melrose Avenue in the heart of Hollywood. I found a small one-bedroom back house that a friend of mine here in Tennessee owned. He gave me a cut on rent in exchange for my managing the properties up front for him. One day, I suddenly lost my job and found myself struggling to find another one. Now, I'm pretty resourceful. I can think on my feet, but even I knew that if I did not find a job and quick, I would be returning home. I was feeling a lot of deficit. Slowly but surely, though, little by little, I became aware of provision that already laid around me. I noticed a sign outside on the corner of my apartment, a Dollar General store, that read, Fresh Produce Sold Here. Now, don't judge me. I'm not entirely sure how fresh it was, but the shipment came in on Monday mornings, and I was there first in line to pick out my food for the week. I saved money on dance classes for a while and gave myself dance in my living room. And then, just in the nick of time, a friend of mine found me a catering gig that quickly led to another job as a server. I got another job as a barista. Those two jobs led me to friends that then helped me find a new restaurant that had just opened up. And if you're doing the math, that is correct. I went from zero jobs to three jobs in a very quick amount of time. Those three jobs, I qu quickly realized that I could quit two of them and begin serving tables at night and have time to dance in the day. Right as I quit those two restaurant jobs, I got a call about an audition for a dance company and I got in. I was led into the provision. 
I'm not sure I would have been ready to receive it had I not traveled through the valley. The richness of the provision tasted so much sweeter because of the journey that it took to get there. Now, I realize there is far greater suffering and far darker valleys than a girl's plight in finding a serving job in Los Angeles, but God did show me that as we keep putting our feet one in front of the other, we are being blessed, even merely in the small steps we take along the way. There's a book I read recently called Lasting Happiness in a Changing World, The Book of Joy by the Dalai Lama and Archbishop Desmond Tutu. It's conversational in nature. They're being interviewed, but I'd love to read a large portion of it for you because I believe it makes David's song lyric here truly come to life. Archbishop, you were talking about how the Dalai Lama has experienced great suffering in his exile. During apartheid, you and your country experienced great suffering too. And even in your personal life, you've dealt with prostate cancer. You're dealing with it now. Many people, when they get ill, don't feel very joyful. You've been able to maintain that joy in the face of suffering. How have you been able to do it? Well, he said, I have certainly been helped by many other people. One of the good things is realizing that you are not a solitary cell. You are a part of a wonderful community that's helped greatly. As we were saying, if you are setting out to be joyful, you're not going to end up being joyful. You're going to find yourself turned in on yourself. It's like a flower. You open, you blossom, really because of other people. And I think some suffering, maybe even intense suffering, is a necessary ingredient for life, certainly for developing compassion. Desmond Tutu goes on to say, you know, when Nelson Mandela went to jail, he was young, and you could almost say bloodthirsty. He was head of the armed wing of the African National Congress, his party. He spent 27 years in jail, and many would say, what a waste. And I think people are surprised when I say no. The 27 years were necessary. They were necessary to remove the dross. The suffering in prison helped him to become more magnanimous, willing to listen to the other side, to discover that the people he regarded as his enemy, they too were human beings who had fears and expectations, and they had been molded by their society. And so, without the 27 years, I don't think we would have seen Nelson Mandela with the compassion, the capacity to put himself in the shoes of others. Nelson Mandela went on to be elected as the first president of a South Africa freed from segregation and mistreatment of black South Africans. His valley led him to his provision, and the provision tasted all the sweeter because of his valley. Now, I'm not saying that God causes suffering so that we are greater on the other side, not at all, but I do believe that how we journey through the valley determines how we come out on the other side. And it's one thing to understand suffering, but quite another to truly feel that in the midst of our own valleys. But that's why directly to follow the anointing or fertilizing or wound dressing, God's not just there, our community is as well. My cup runs over. It can be read as I have everything I need, I have more than enough. It can also remind us that there are other people at the table with us. 
I recently got back from a trip to Florida with our student ministry, and while I was there, one of the pastors referenced Psalm 23.5, my cup runs over. As this scripture passage has danced in my mind the past months, I began to pay more attention. He shared that back in biblical times when people would come for dinner, the host would continue to fill up the cups of the people for as long as the host wanted people um, to stay. You knew that it was time to go when your wine glass stopped being filled. If someone who was very, very important was there, the host would assign someone to stay beside that person and keep filling the cup over and over until it ran over. What David is singing here is that we have all we need, but we are unendingly wanted by God. We are chosen. That desire and blessing keeps going and going and going, and it's not just for you and me. It's so that we will take the overabundance and give it to others at the table, perhaps even our enemy. This passage reminds us that God is nurturing us in the valley and is reminding us that we are protected by community and we get to protect as well. When your cup runs over, you wouldn't want to just let it run over and waste what's coming over the brim. No, if it continues to pour out, eventually you're going to grab another cup. So in the beginning, I said there's a personal layer. God is caring for us. God is healing us. And there is a communal layer. God is reminding us that there is more around us than just us. This is not a world of me It is a world of we. Every single person you encounter in this world is a part of this song. This is their anointing, healing, blessing, calling too. We aren't in the valley alone, and we are not the only ones going through a valley. This does not make our valleys any less, but in the midst of valleys, if we know we're not alone, perhaps it alleviates the pain just a bit. Or perhaps we start to see that even in our brokenness, we have some light to offer others as well. When I was little, my mom used to tell me that whenever I was experiencing sadness or sorrow, I needed to go and serve someone in need. She told me that it wasn't to take away from what I was journeying through, but it was where I would always find God. You see, our cup runs over because we have everything we need because we're always welcome and wanted, and because God wants to keep inviting people to the table. In the past, when I've read this passage, I have envisioned a table set before me with my enemies over there, and God setting this amazing um, anointing and table for me, while my enemies look on and wishing they had this food too. But actually, I think we're all sitting at the same table, all of us in this room in our various valleys, and God is just pouring out over our cups in hopes that we'll grab some more cups and seek to draw more people to this unconditional protection and love. I'm reminded of a hymn, Draw the Circle Wide. It says, draw the circle wide, draw it wider still. Let this be our song. No one stands alone. Standing side by side, draw the circle, draw the circle wide. There's healing for us, friends. There's anointing for us that nourishes and heals us. We have everything 
we need. Each week we've been reciting and closing the Lord's or the, the 23rd Psalm together. We do the Lord's Prayer too. Um, and I'd love to invite you to recite that with me now. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In just a moment, you're gonna be invited to one of the most overabundant tables that there is, this table that Jesus gave us as a reminder of him giving his life for us so that we may be continually, always now and forevermore, protected, anointed in his love. If you are a guest with us, please know that this is an open table to all who desire to receive Jesus. As I pray, I'll invite those who are helping to serve forward. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks for this table set before us. May we go out and spread the abundance we've been given. May this bread and juice remind us of the great power of your son Jesus who died for us so that we may always know your unconditional love. It's in your name we pray, amen.